pencil in the apocalypse. I gotta get up at five o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Maximum Film. This is episode. This is episode two hundred and eight, and of course, I'm in the booth with my friends. So let me introduce you to dams. First up, we have the Christmas Zaddy himself, Alonzo Doralde. What's good? Well, I'll tell you, if he, I, this is a thing that I, I kept hearing good things about, and you know how it is. You, you something gets recommended too much, you start getting a little suspicious about it, and you kind of ignore it, and then you finally take the plunge, and it turns out that it merited the hype uh i'm speaking of course about cinnamon toast crunch churros cereal <laughs> um which you know i was a little dubious about there's a whole weird spanish versus mexican version of what a churro even is but it turns out that it's basically cinnamon toast crunch on a cereal that has more like real estate for the coating and so that's a good thing <laughs> so if you're a fan of the og ct crunch Give the churros a roll. The CT do a lot. Do a lot of people call it the CT yeah, crunch? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a thing. Well, I've, uh, I mostly your CTC, but CT crunch also works. But yeah, the churros have been uh, exploding on the cereal head scene. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, I can, the cereal head scene. Yeah, I don't all. know why I'm laughing. There's definitely a Reddit thread about this. Oh, somewhere. there are blogs and podcasts <laughs> about cereal, Drake. You would not believe it. Oh man! Well, that other voice you heard is the queen of the Midwest herself. She's gonna deny it, but just know, as Drea Clark was good. Yes, as ever in absentia. Um, what's good with me? I had this thought this week actually with a good friend of mine, also from the Midwest, Tessa Jagger. Shout out that. We were talking about Lil Nas X and how much we love him. Mm. And I was explaining, like, every time I see him tweet or do something, I'm reminded of the dark night of Bane's whole speech about darkness of like, oh, you you just like learned the dark. I was born of it. Oh, you think darkness is your ally? You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. I was formed <laughs> by it. And that's how I think Lil Nas X is with the internet. Like, you can try him, <laughs> but, like, he was born of it. He was formed <laughs> by it. But this all was, like, my roundabout way of my friend Tessa and I have this shorthand that we use for actual people that we meet, for celebrities or whatever. We just refer to if they're invited to our party or not. So, like, if we've met someone new and we, like, so Lil Nas X is invited to our party, Ooh. that kind of thing. And every once in a while, we'll be like, oh, yeah, well, they're going to be the bartender at our party. <laughs> I highly enjoy it. It just makes me super happy. Um, it's reminding me now of The Office of like, I love inside jokes. I hope to have one someday. <laughs> it's very much the energy I'm giving off with this What's Good. But I do. I have a single inside joke, and it's referring to things I like as people who can come to my party. With my one friend, Tessa. <laughs> so it's still, it's still good. It's still Ooh, good for me. All right, all right. Well, that's exciting. What's even more exciting is our wonderful guest today, film critic and host of the Travolta Cage podcast, Ooh. Nathan Rabin. What's good? Well, I'm going to piggyback on uh, Alonzo's uh, pick here. Uh, I purchased uh, Cheetos brand macaroni and cheese, oh. uh, partially as a, my goodness, Americans are terrible. This will be a, a nightmare experience, but I'll like get something out of it. It's real. It's real good. <laughs> I actually prefer Cheetos brand macaroni and cheese to Kraft's brand of macaroni Whoa, and shots cheese, fired. which I know you, you all know is, is the gold standard of the, of the mac and cheese brand. And 
And I think part of it is just that like Cheetos already kind of taste like weird cheese. Mm. So it's it's kind of a it's it's a Reese's peanut butter type situation where it's a combination <laughs> of two things that could be absolutely disgusting together, uh, but actually are delightful. Ooh. It's the only kind of mac and cheese I eat now. Will we get will we get a flaming hot ch- uh, mac and cheese? <laughs> they I also have, I'm I'm not, I'm not into the flaming hot. Oh, stuff. but it exists. Oh, okay, but they wow. do have gotcha. the flaming hot uh, macaroni and cheese, and I'm guessing it's pretty damn delicious. So, so. quick wow. cue on this cheese: <laughs> Is it? Do you get like the packet? of like it's powder, cheese powder it's, it's and the, then an additional one that's cheetos or is it all no in the it's, one the, it's, it's all it's one because that's the, the thing is that they it's 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 a beautiful organic fusing of powdered cheese mm. certainly organic is always the word that comes to mind <laughs> when i eat boxed mac and cheese yeah, yeah organic and a very or any cheeto product kind of yes exactly <laughs> it, it's is it even food that's the big yes. question it sounds delicious sign me I've, up you guys i've i've wanted mac and cheese i've been craving it ever since we watched stupid malcolm and marie malcolm and <laughs> right yes so yeah. now it's just like coming back into my mind i've yet so to make go. any so all oh, right yeah i gotta make i like that one Nathan. You thank you well, they have that documentary mac and me that also involves with uh fast food and soda Absolutely. Yes. Very it and it's midwestern hey iffy <laughs> what's good with you oh what's good with me well what isn't good with me uh you know it's another wonderful day uh but i will say i got some uh so, so it's called moulin it's some keto milk that i got in the mail uh and it's pretty much just like uh it seems like it's look looking at the ingredients kind of watered down coconut milk but like either way it's really good they have a cinnamon roll flavor and Man, I mean, we look. We we shouldn't have stopped at chocolate milk. We shouldn't have stopped at strawberry milk. We gotta we gotta see what other flavors we can add to milk. Cause cinnamon roll milk is is delicious. Uh, you know, if we're talking about fusions of flavor, uh, I I need y'all to trust it. Dre, you're making a face. Here's the imagine- thing. Yeah, I want to change my what's good. Um, and I'd like my what's good to now be the face all four of us made when you brought up whatever milk product you're talking about. Yeah, because I'll treasure that forever. Look, if you want to give me cinnamon roll flavored milk as an actual dairy product, I would at least try <laughs> like, it because <laughs> dairy. I'm down for that. But milk I got in the mail. I'm sorry. Let's just no, we're not we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the future, Alonzo. It's the future. <laughs> Just you wait. We'll all be getting our milk mailed, and it's going to have a Y instead of an I in it. It's going to uh, be like Canada, and it's all going to come in a bag. In a bag. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. Well, today we're talking about Hollywood and movies, and we're going to discuss the 2002 documentary, The Kid Stays in the Picture. And of course, we'll have staff picks. So, Let's just get right into it. Let's start talking about 2002, The Kids Stay in the Picture. Alonzo, what is this movie? <laughs> so it, it, it began life as the audiobook of Robert Evans's 1994 autobiography. Robert Evans was a uh, kind of a jack of all trades. He, he had a successful clothing company uh, with his brother called Evan Pacone that made uh, women's sportswear. He was famously discovered poolside uh, in, in the Beverly Hills Hotel by Norma Shearer, who insisted that he play her late husband Irving Thalberg in the Lon Chaney 
biopic The Man of a Thousand Faces. Uh, he quickly gave up on being an actor, but then segued into producing. And then before he knew it, uh, became the head of Paramount, which was at the time a failing studio. But then uh, Evans brought them hits like Love Story and The Godfather and Chinatown and really kind of turned things around. And then, you know, there's there there were there were there were there were lots of romances and there was cocaine and there were trials <laughs> and lawsuits and it's a it's a crazy story and he narrates the the audiobook with such singular braggadocio that somebody was like you know what there's a movie in this and so the movie is basically the pictures version of the audiobook so that it's all narrated by him there's a lot of like you know you'll see uh, uh, footage uh, of, of various things but for the most part it is evans narrating 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 the story of his one-of-a-kind life and um yeah, it's it is a singular monument to oneself, I would say. <laughs> it's fascinating. There's so many things in it that like you said, he says with this bravado that I'm like, oh, <laughs> you look terrible, man. Yo, like, yeah, well, yeah, you do not I, come across well, my guy. I think the first <laughs> thing I just want to talk about is when was so when was this audio? book recorded the audiobook was originally recorded in 1994 and then I think okay the, so the movie well uses... after 1977 you yes. know when <laughs> polanski was arrested and charged with drugging those aspects do well, not at, really come at, up at, here at least at least he doesn't call him some sort of ethnic slur <laughs> over and over and over again at least he's just like he's my guy and oh he's awesome. no <laughs> Yeah, I, I forgot about the, the P word does get yeah, li- yeah, this drama <laughs> sprinkles throughout. Oh my gosh. I was like, this and was you're, yeah, and you're talking about like his Polish heritage. And yeah. and he says the uh, like a version of that with mm-hmm. such gusto. Again, yeah. I'm like, you you don't sound great. Well, yeah, it's almost <laughs> so much he says it with with the gusto that I almost believe that he was Polish and was making it his N-word because he was just throwing <laughs> it around with so much bravado. And I was like, okay, this has to be, yeah, you have to be able to say this. Because. They're, they're both Jewish. So I think about uh, Jewish as well. Yeah, right? So okay. I think there's a certain kind of like, hey, we come from the same ethnic Yeah, spot, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, like, it's fascinating to me. Part of it is that, you know, he was a creature of the 1970s. That's when he had his apex um, and yet he talks like somebody from the 1940s. Yes. I kind of talks like somebody from like a Dashiell Hammett novel. That's one of the things that's fascinating to me is that he's such a man out of time. Because if you look at how old he was when he wrote The Kids Days in the Picture, when he, you know, did all these things, like he was in his early 60s. Like he was younger than J.K. Simmons and Samuel L. Jackson are now. <laughs> and yet he comes across like kind of this Methuselah-like figure. And he also reminds me a lot of, uh, I just saw Sunset Boulevard fairly recently. Mm. And I'm struck by the fact that Norma Desmond is 50 years old. Exactly right. character is 50 years old. Oh, She's sweet lord. older than me. <laughs> and she went on to live for like another 35 years. And it's amazing how you can be relatively young. I mean, 
younger than Paul Rudd and Jennifer Lopez at this point, and yet carry yourself as somebody from an earlier, earlier era. And that's Robert what? Evans. I think about just because there's so many, there's so much crazy stuff that he just never got to, like the fact that he was a huge radio star as a child, and he was always horn dogging around with Dick Van Patten. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have read the book, got laid an awful lot. And you know that because Robert Evans felt like that was information that he had to share. Wait, Dick Van Patten, the dad from Eight is enough. And it is enough to fill our lives with love. None other. Yes, the yep. man got laid constantly. Listen, it may, it I, may have actually gotten laid more often than Evans. And let me tell you, Evans did well with the ladies. I, yeah, I think sex pot and definitely Dick or uh, Dick Van Patten <laughs> comes Van Patten. to mind. Well, I'll but tell the, you, Circa, I remember Mama. He was pretty hot, I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, but when it, when it came to orgies, eight was not enough for him. <laughs> so he was very, very insatiable. That one. I need to read this book clearly. Clearly, you do. I've read it several well, times. It is, it's absolutely insane. It is a trip because when you hear about the kid stays in the picture, or you're like, oh, sure, a documentary on Robert Evans. Ton, tons of material there. Like the man, just the simple fact that he produced like the range of Chinatown, The Godfather. Rosemary's Baby, mm. like love story, these enormous hits that any producer would like bank on one of them for the rest of their life. He has so many. Oh, there's got to be a good ki- term the kids use. So many bangers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, uh, so many bangers. So many hits is what so we'd say. Yeah. So many bangers. And, 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 and he's kind of, and, and, <laughs> and he's one of the architects of like the new Hollywood of the '70s mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. corporate end. You know, he he's not like Lucas or Spielberg or you know Coppola or Scorsese, but he's the guy who's greenlighting their movies. You know, but but what, what's what was what I thought was so crazy about watching this movie again was that you know we talk about '80s movies. Movies being problematic and oh you can't say that anymore hey this is a movie this is after this is in the 21st century and this movie is such a monument to like white male kind <laughs> of like just entitlement it's crazy alonzo was literally texting us while re-watching it being like huh rapist rapist war criminal rapist like the fact that by the time you get to him excited to name drop henry kissinger and how he got him to come to a premiere with him you're like yeah you made a lot of great movies you don't have a lot of good choices in the people you hang around with (laughs) this 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 definitely feels like when you're at that like Hollywood party with like an old head and they're like <laughs> bragging about stuff and you're like, oh, you, you, this is the sugar-coated version and it isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I, I for one thought, thought that this movie was a, truly a Woodstock for the 1980s. <laughs> the only phrase that uh, describes it adequately. And, and again, I just, I love the idea that I was introduced to Lady White at 47 years old. Oh, my God. Uh, and yet everything about him screams cocaine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cocaine, cocaine. I was like, that's interesting because you have cocaine sweats from frame one. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they may not have been organic, but. You know, there's a certain narcissism, a certain arrogance that can only come with stimulants. Um, yeah. my oh, One yeah. of my favorite passages, and I will say, so this is co-directed by Brett Morgan and Nanette Bernstein, who are yes. fantastic documentaries. Da- 
documentarians, and I'm sure you've seen other works of theirs. But one of the reasons this feels as lively as it does for something that is wallpapered with this man talking about himself is their use of archival footage, found footage, his obscene collection of photos and <laughs> images of, and uh, video of himself that they use to such good effect. Like he has voice where he's talking about like, or he, there's him like a clip of him being interviewed or something. And he's like, Oh yeah, no, I really wish I, I had more photos of myself or I, or I cared more <laughs> about those things. And there you're literally seeing this montage, just like flash frame of thousands of pictures of himself. Um, but they, they do a great job of that. And then sort of some kind of reenactments of some sort of artistic, just like giving you a sense of time and place and tonal and, Bringing to this kind of book to life, uh, to me, if I was going to approach this, would be like, I don't even know where I'd begin. Like, <laughs> it, so I, I loved that. They, I thought they had a really good handle on making this scene actually cinematic enough to be worth all of the cinema it's dropping, you know? Now, Nathan, you you have a, a, a Robert Evans story, which I, I think I do. Needs I to do be part indeed. I wrote program. about uh, back when, yeah, back when I was writing for the AV Club. I wrote I had a column called "Silly Little Showbiz Book Club," uh, and I wrote a very long, loving Valentine to the book uh, "The Kid Stays in the Picture" and its eccentric author. And I got an email uh, from. Robert Evans, uh, Butler, his English Butler, who was one of the cast members on his poorly considered uh, early aughts animated vehicle, Kid Notorious. Ah, uh, yes. Shall we take flights, huh? No chance. Yellow may be your color line, but it ain't mine. Now just watch. I'm going to do a sell job on these olive oil leg breakers. Sounds risky, sir. Risky? When do I do anything that ain't? Yeah, they sort of said, like, you know what would be cool would be if South Park, except with Robert Evans. Uh, and Robert Evans, again, not an ironic kind of guy, <laughs> not a transgressive, like, he's got a filthy fucking mouth, um, but he's not conducive to that kind of comedy. Uh, so, yeah, so I got a, an email saying, uh, you know, I, I, I hear the onion is very hot right now. Uh, and I got this book coming out, and I'm very, very excited about it, but I'm very nervous about it would you be able to come to woodland and meet with me this weekend to talk about it and i was like oh my god i'm being punked i'm being punked where's ashton kutcher like this is so crazy <laughs> and this woodland, is so of crazy course, is his like famed house that Maybe the most legendary uh, establishment in all of the world, but all the world, all the, all the, no, definitely all the world, <laughs> all the world more. in the history of yes, time. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, so he flew me first class uh, to Beverly Hills and I spent a magical weekend at Woodland and it was really, uh, he never got out of bed. Uh, he was wearing pajamas. So he was very old at the point. He's kind of in his early eighties. And what kind of struck me was that he was a very sad person. Uh, and I think part of that is just, you know, he was getting older. Uh, beauty and youth was always very, very important to him to the point where I think looking at 45, he's like, oh my God, it's over for me. Uh, and I, there's so many things that I remember about that. One of which is we were watching a uh, boxing match. Like he'd have me come into his room and we ate salmon and drank scotch. Uh, and he took an Ambien. Uh, and yeah, there was like a 48-year-old boxer who was fighting against somebody much younger. And I'm like, wow, this is such a fascinating metaphor. And then he took a call and it was Fred Sumner. Sumner Redstone. Oh. And he's like, you know, people think that I've done pretty good. But, you know, I look at people like Sumner and he's a billionaire. 
He has billions um, of dollars. Sumner Redstone, and who, like, I know, owns Viacom. Yes. He's, he's like, I'm nowhere. I'm like, I'm nowhere. And, I, and it just, it struck me, like, Robert Evans is jealous of other people. <laughs> Robert Evans looks at other people's lives and is like, I wish I had that house. I wish I had that fleet of, of and, you, and you get a sense of this in the movie, mm-hmm. because what he wants more than anything is to win the Irving Thalberg Award, yeah. <laughs> which, again, kind of weird. You generally want to win an actual Oscar. I was going to say, that's that a, one of, like, honor. <laughs> exactly like you've been around for a long time so thank you so yeah it was a really really fascinating experience and i wanted to help him you know i wanted to introduce his poorly received follow-up uh to the kid stays other poorly received uh, implies that it was received at all nobody noticed that he wrote a second book called the fat lady sang uh which again if you thought the first book was very inappropriate oh my god you should read this one i'm like i'm not sure why you're slut shaming grace kelly she's been dead for the last 15 60 years uh some of it was about like his late in life romance with beverly d'angelo and i'm like it's good, you know, but again, it, it kind of felt like he had all of like the random ass stories that were too vulgar and too pointless and too digressive for the first book. So he stuck it in the second and he's like, Nathan, how do I get this book to my audience? And I said, you know, what I think would be really interesting is I would love it if you would do the podcast circuit. You know, I think podcasts would love to talk to you. I think Mark Barron, WTF and two other ones would be amazing. Probably not comedy bang bang. That's probably not your cup of tea. Probably oh not going to do any characters, although that would certainly be interesting. So, oh, that's great. What's a podcast? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and a related development. And, and I am such a cheesy ass person that I took one of his towels oh. and, and, and the Wi Fi Godfather. No, oh. it's not. It was Godfather. Good. The Wi-Fi at, at Woodland was Godfather. And I spoke, I spent a lot of time with his with his uh his butler. Uh more so than Mr. Evans, because Mr. Evans was very sleepy <laughs> and also talking to people on the telephone. And his butler was just a really fascinating guy, like very cultured, very funny. Is his great, butler the uh, one who drove and like escaped him from rehab? I, so. I think that was his chauffeur. Oh, that was his very, driver. Very different thing. Yep. And I got to hear all sorts of great gossip, like the butler talked all sorts of crap about brett ratner uh, who was a house guest uh, of mr evans for many 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 months because god knows if you're brett ratner you can't afford your own place uh and then probably the most uh eventful thing that happened during a brett ratner's stay there was he burned down the screening room what brett ratner burned down robert evans i mean it was it it was an accident, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm like, that sucks. I want to see a movie God, here. I, I don't want to just swim playing... in the legendary pool. I hope he was playing <laughs> and, Rush Hour when he burned it. Yeah, and I had all sorts of ideas. Like, I was going to do, like, you do, for, like, Robert Evans Mysteries. Or, like, <laughs> you solve crimes in the 1970s. And, like, what if you did, like, a coffee? T- like, I had all of these ideas. And then, you know, there was no no follow through. Mm. Uh, then I'm weird and socially awkward to begin with. I, I did not succeed in making Robert Evans my friend uh, that would have been amazing but i don't I think, know you, you spent know, a that, weekend there like i feel that's all that was, most of the things that he people that I, he thought yeah. of as friends that's probably the full extent of his exchanges with them as well so yeah. well, one thing i, I found well, interesting well, in, I, I didn't mean to cut you off a no no, no sorry sorry 
we do have to go to break uh, uh. because of the classic power structure of us using ads <laughs> to pay the bills <laughs> and everything. So uh, we're going to take a break for a bit. But when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion. And we're going to start with Alonzo because I did rudely cut him <laughs> off. <laughs> Hey, we'll be getting back to the show in a second, but first, a word from our buddies at Storyblocks. Storyblocks makes it possible for creators to keep up with the growing demands for modern video content so you can bring all your stories to life and stop sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. That's right! Storyblocks Unlimited All-Access Plan gives you unlimited downloads of more than 1 million assets in their library. You can try out multiple options quickly and find the perfect fit so you can create more and spend less. Restock is their commitment to increase representation in stock media by hiring creators from marginalized communities to create content that is more reflective of the diverse world we live in. Stay on budget while telling the best version of your story with the most affordable subscription plans and tools on the market that scale to meet your needs. So the word got out to the man that there was money to be made on YouTube and in podcasts. So what was once a sort of, you know, scruffy, cool avenue of creation has now kind of been overrun by big companies with deep pockets and lots of access to materials. Thanks, you know what? Obama. <laughs> but you as a scrappy creator can run with the big boys and get professional uh, sound images, uh, uh, you know, on-screen text that you might need, uh, uh, clips and pictures and all the sorts of things that, that you would think that only the big guys would have at their fingertips. You too can get all of that action by signing up for Storyblocks. And the amazing part is it's probably more affordable than you even think it's true explore their library and subscribe today at storyblocks.com slash maxfilm that's storyblocks.com slash m-a-x-f-i-l-m are you feeling elevated levels of anxiety do you quake uncontrollably even thinking about watching cable news do you have disturbing nightmares, only to realize it's two in the afternoon and you're up? If you've experienced one or more of these symptoms, you may have FNO, news overload. Fortunately, there's treatment. Hi, I'm Dave Holmes, host of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters helps fight FNO. That's because Troubled Waters stimulates your joy zone. On Troubled Waters, two comedians will battle one another for pop culture supremacy. So join me. Dave Holmes for two, two, two doses of Troubled Waters a month. The cure for your news overload. Available on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host. I'm your host, Ify Wadiway. In the studio with me are... Drea Clark. And Nathan Raven. Alonzo Duraldi. And let's continue our Hollywood and movies conversation with Alonzo with that thought that I rudely interrupted. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, one thing that I thought was kind of funny in this is that, you know, like Nathan points out, there's there's a lot that gets this from the book that is skipped over. I know there's certainly whole movies and, and things that aren't discussed, but they do leave in get high on yourself which <laughs> is this PSA that he was court ordered to create after his his cocaine arrest 
It's bonkers. <laughs> so Dave and I did a whole LKTV episode about this thing. It's on YouTube. I recommend very highly that you go check this out because it's basically a bunch of celebrities in a room singing this really dumb ditty about getting high on yourself. The dumbest ditty. You can be somebody with a plan of your own. You can say no and you won't be alone. You can make yourself get higher than you have ever known. And he's clearly proud enough of it that they included it in this movie. But if you watch the whole thing and the whole like hour long special around it, it is like the the worst kind of ham fisted just say no propaganda you've ever seen. Like not one child was spared from no. the evils of drugs by this terrible, <laughs> no. terrible TV thing. This it is amazing. It's set up like we are the world style. So it's all of these recognizable big stars singing and they all look like they're tweaking by the way like they're like like super rabid energy a terrible track and one of my first i mean i was obsessed with this i will watch it a thousand more times but one of my main things that i'm like oh this was a real hamstring consistently with the just say no is how uncool these people look i'm like ooh (laughs) Does not doing drugs make you that uncool? Like, I it, might it consider the, drugs. It's the only time I've ever seen Paul Newman be aggressively non-cool. <laughs> like, you have to work very, very How hard to turn hard Paul you, Newman into exactly. a dork. Exactly. I mean, if that alone doesn't tell you the strength of what Robert Evans is pulling <laughs> off as a producer, he made he made Paul Newman look like a st- stone cold dork. Like amazing. And I love I love that Drew Barrymore is one of the people. And again, she's this like is one seven. Of those, a lot of the people who do the most anti-drug songs were on a lot of oh, yeah. while they were writing them and recording them and then promoting them. I'm guessing to get high on yourself. Uh, <laughs> sit very squarely and very snugly into that paradigm. It's incredible. I'm so glad you brought that up. There, 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 the amount of self-aggrandizement in this thing, though, it's like, it's like you would think that Francis Coppola was just sort of like carrying water on The Godfather while Robert <laughs> Evans made all the creative decisions and single-handedly made it into this work of genius. Is, you know, he, he made a trailer. I turned it into an epic. A trailer. The trailer that he made was the first edit of the film that was like two hours long. And he's like, it needs to be longer. I'm like, it's still pretty much there. Like my he also kept saying Coppola. I kept looking it up. I'm like, how do you say his name? I said Coppola my entire life. Robert Evans made two films, at least with this man, keeps calling him Coppola. What am I doing wrong? You guys, it's the drugs again, by the way. It's always the drugs. But I lo- again, this is uh, such a masterpiece of self-mythology mm. and just kind of like telling the story about yourself as the ultimate Hollywood legend. And there are so many like narratives and, and sort of stories that he tells himself and within the context of this thing, and it's so perfect and so beautiful and so sad that Robert Evans uh, had his contract with Paramount be... Uh, eliminated like they killed his deal and I remember thinking like oh he's gonna fucking die now that literally was the only thing keeping him alive was that he still had a, a contract with Paramount two days later he was dead yeah wow I remember so again it was just kind of like the, the sense of drama that that yeah. <laughs> and like that was just in the past couple the years end. it was when 2019 they did their, yeah yeah it was when they did their big like uh, merger or whatever and I remember just catching that at the bottom of it of like 
of note, like one of the interesting things, like fallout of this is like for the first time in 50 years or whatever, Robert Evans is he's losing his office Mm. on the lot. And I was like, oh, God, can't the man just. They're not a broom closet somewhere you can stick <laughs> him in. He, he can't be going he in that often. Doesn't have much time left, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think though the the other side of it that kept standing out to me is uh, in terms of the time capsule. How Robert mm. Evans speaks about women is not great. Mm. Um, <laughs> he has, you know, your two sort of main case studies are Ali McGraw, who he eventually marries and is kind of seemingly the love of his life and breaks his heart and then um mia farrow and he is so curt and dismissive of them and he also does this thing where he's replicating like entire conversations he doesn't just say like Mm. and then i talked to mia because she was (laughs) she was dating um i was gonna say fred sinatra she was dating frank sinatra (laughs) or she was married to frank sinatra and he wanted her to leave rosemary's baby and come be on his movie and blah 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 blah. and instead of doing that he literally like puts words in her mouth puts exact words in her mouth about how she responds how he manipulates her what he does to keep her to stay and then how petty she is because uh, Sinatra famously, you know, had this whole thing of wanting her to wrap it up, come be on his film, gave her an ultimatum because Robert Evans shows her footage and is like, you're amazing. You're going to win an Oscar. And she decided to stay with Rosemary's Baby, obviously. And Sinatra sent divorce papers to the set. Class act, just class act all around. <laughs> but these are like, you know, sort of classic Hollywood stories. And Evans manages to retell them a story about Mia Farrow and Frank Sinatra, and he's the headliner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I showed her the film, wow. and I was like, look, I'm going to teach you how to believe in yourself. You ain't nothing without me. Don't go to see this Frank Jackal, you know? But it is it is so funny, because like, yeah, while I was watching that, I was like, oh, when did they divorce? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, and I do like her line of just being like, I want the money the movie the money that the gross that his movie made versus mine i was like oh that would be such a flex but and it's so funny but because he's like well these are both my movies the reason he didn't run that ad is because he was the producer of yeah, both yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like i would be dissing myself <laughs> so i i love the fact that everybody in robert evans world talks exactly like robert yeah evans. yeah <laughs> You know, they're all slip slapping around like they're in a 1940s pulp novel, except that they're the most powerful people in Hollywood. Uh, Like, yeah, that 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 is. You mean how every time he talks about Ally McGraw, she she only refers to him as Evans, which which might be a kid. kid. I told her kid. And she said, Evans take me to bed or whatever. And you're like, (laughs) okay. for the 20 years since this movie came out, Dave and I will periodically go forever, Evans, forever. (laughs) (laughs) I held Ellie tight in my arms. I love you, Evans. I love you forever, Evans, forever. I whispered back forever, darling. And promise me, never leave me. I promise you, baby, I won't. Not even for two weeks. Not for one kid. I love your and Dave's recurring bits. <laughs> you guys have good bits. Thanks. But, but Ally McGraw as well, I, when it when he starts talking about her, it is so dismissively and misogynistic. Miss Snotnose. Yeah. Miss Snotnose. That I was Miss like. Miss Flower Child. Yeah. I was like, wait, tell, 
I thought he married Allie McGree. Am I wrong? Who am I thinking of? And then it came, I was like, no, I was right. Yes, <laughs> this is his former wife he's talking about. Like this, very cool. Once again, super cool. Very cool way to talk about people. Um, you guys, again, I hope to be as rich and powerful to be this horrible to people. You know, <laughs> it's my dream. So, like, I'm not cutting him for that. I get it. He just really went and did it. There's also the uniqueness of him as a, a producer, as a star figure. Like, you do not mm. see that now. Some, there's mm. some directors that have that sort of energy, but there are not a lot of directors even that are going on, like, si or, like The Tonight Show or talk shows mm. or, like, to, you know, like, being the face of a whole... Well, <laughs> movie, let alone I, I, a whole. I, I hate to say it. I think the last one who was that famous and and sort of self aggrandizing and known to the public was Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> oh yikes! But even <laughs> Weinstein later. wasn't doing talk shows, was he? Not like, so he was much. More, yeah, it was more yeah, mythological. They, they tried to keep him out of the public. Eye. But yeah. he was at. But he was a. He was more of a household sure. name than For most sure. studio chieftains and producers are. Yes, and he was with that credited in that kind yeah. of way. Yeah. Well, and again, as so much of this goes back to sort of self-mythologizing and this whole idea of like, I'm not just going to play Irving Thalberg, I will become Irving mm. And Alvin Thalberg, again, is like the most lionized, romanticized producer in the history of Hollywood. Uh, so yeah, this whole idea of like, I'm dreaming it and I'm willing it into existence. Uh, so yeah, there's this, I feel like this movie is a vulgar, profane fairy tale. <laughs> uh, and that's its charm and that's its limitations as well yeah i mean well i mean speaking of kind of seeing hollywood and your world and and you know all right it's the the steam in my segues is running out let's talk about <laughs> hollywood's portrayal in other movies uh <laughs> i mean weirdly the it, you know the, the 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 story that he's telling you here is so very a star is born you know he's not discovered mm, yeah. at shrafts he's discovered poolside at at the beverly hills hotel and it's and it's again it's not even that thing where like he wasn't looking to be at least the way he tells it he wasn't looking to be an actor it was just like this thing that kind of lands in his lap you know um and, and i think there is it's weird for a lot especially in old hollywood you see two distinct narratives one is the you know, anyone could just stumble into stardom somehow and like it's a it's a land of dreams, it's a land of opportunity and you can come out here and, and you know, things will happen for you. But then you also get, I, I've always, I remember the first person to point this out, but like the Wizard of Oz, I think, is this extended metaphor basically telling people, don't come to Los Angeles, stay home. <laughs> Everything here looks glitzy and awesome from the outside, but you're going to get here and it's all going to be phony and you're going to wish you just stayed on the farm in Kansas. And there's secretly going to be a studio head who is being abusive <laughs> to your leading child actress. Exactly. Wizard of Oz style. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so, so, but, but I think, but, but Evans is the way he's spinning this is very much of the former. It's very much of the like, look at me. I was like, I was, you know, I was in the clothing trade and suddenly, you know, like one dip in a pool and, you know, Norma Shearer gets a load of me in my trunks. And next thing you know, I'm off to a screen <laughs> test with Jimmy Cagney. I, we, you know, we sort of touched on this when we discussed sans iffy um, Los Angeles plays itself, mm. but there is such a funny difference between the like concept of Hollywood mm. and actual Hollywood, California, that's part of Los Angeles. And I think when so many people visit here, I can see totally coming here as a visitor 
and being like, eh, this place seems overrated because you were planning to travel to a concept of like movie stars <laughs> and wealth that was somehow Beverly Hills. Studio and, lots. <laughs> exactly. And it is very funny as someone who has lived here now far away from the Midwest for um, decades, but the, the that difference, but it still seems so important to this town that Hollywood comes across in a certain kind of way. And it's a way that like Robert Evans was fully committed to and helped build the, the, the myth of it, like to use Nathan's term. And it is funny. Like if you're the only one I think that grew up here and I feel like it's such a funny thing for like true locals be like um you guys are all kidding yourself like the 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 you know the the hollywood or even the los angeles from the kid stays in the picture was not necessarily something you maybe well, yeah. saw it's it's funny because yeah when you the, we, those two things were always different to me growing up like hollywood and los angeles like when you grow up out here like hollywood seems so different because there's an element to you living so close to it and not being attached to it you know you do have you know your billy eilish's and kids of the scene who like you know are hand in hand and your naomi wadi ways some would say uh but uh <laughs> but uh, uh but but like when like growing up like in compton and the long beach area like even though like the drive to la and hollywood was there it just seemed like this world behind a veil that you couldn't get into and it seemed even further because you were so close and didn't know anybody who was in it like the closest there was one girl and i i remember everyone i remember all because you know i growing up i always wanted to act uh but my dad was nigerian so i had to wait till i was out of his clutches before i even <laughs> got near attempting to try that but like there was a girl in my middle school who like did like a like a role like uh a small role on like Malcolm in the Middle. And so like she and so like it was so funny because like she like that was her like middle school swag when she was the girl who was on Malcolm in the Middle. And and like I would try and like, you know, it was like, how did you do that? And she would just be like, oh, you know, how in reality she didn't know. Her parents put her in the <laughs> thing. But you know, for her, she was like, oh, you know, you it's just, you know, Hollywood stuff. And so that made the like like the the shininess of Hollywood so much like more shiny to me. So like this version that I'm seeing is kind of how I saw it growing up, where it's like, yeah, that's where the stars are. That's that's where. So that's you where... were just as suspect to it as we were. Oh, hundred percent, maybe even more. That's <laughs> you know? crazy. It's like that's what's I, going on. I think I think if you live here. Unless you're like very much involved with either of them, show business and the ocean are two things that you forget that you're next to <laughs> because, you know, they're there vaguely. But like unless you're actually coming into contact with it, it's like it's yeah, it's over there somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Either way, it's more driving that you want to deal with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I get that. Well, and also I, I feel like there's this phenomenon where everybody comes out to Los Angeles and they're like, the movie business is so crazy. And it's from so many zany characters, these agents, these starlets like i'm gonna do a satire about it and everybody will be blown away and what they realize is like literally a thousand other people have come to hollywood and had the exact same thing they've made the exact same movie. and i feel like all of these movies are a manifestation of hollywood's narcissism yeah and hollywood's endless bottomless self-absorption and i feel like this is an unusually pure representation of that it's just <laughs> 
Robert Evans' ego just splashed on screen for 94 minutes, and it's exciting and horrifying and riveting and disturbing all at the same time. And I've seen this movie like five or six times, and it's weirdly tight. You know, like there's not a lot of stuff that, you know, doesn't necessarily need to. And there's also stuff that I wish was in it, like the two Jakes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But he was going, Robert Evans was going to return to acting to be the second Jake in uh, a version of the two Jakes that would have been directed by Robert Town. And what happened was he started filming it. And Robert Evans, like, oh, crap, I'm a really bad actor. I shouldn't be acting alongside Jack Nicholson because he's a very good actor. So several years later, they made it with, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson <laughs> and Harvey Keitel in the role that uh, Robert Evans would have played. Um, and that would have been such an interesting story. I wonder if that was just like too painful. Like there are things that are just L's that are too big for even Robert Evans to be able to uh, accept. <laughs> I think this this would make a really cool double feature with uh, the, the, the reconstructed Orson Welles film the other side of the wind because they're you know it's the sort of differing looks of what that period of hollywood is like and for wells it's like an industry that is imploding and falling apart and and just like going to shambles to these new kids who don't know anything and evans is basically the manifestation of everything that wells feared and like you know of what what hollywood was turning into and so i think that that would be kind of a cool back and forth look at that but you know i mean like you know, Evans was behind, you know, he had hits like like Neil Simon's The Out of Towners, which is a movie I like very much, but which is a very fairly traditional film. But you would think that everything he did based on what he shows you in this movie was like bold and visionary and different. And it's like the man you know, made sliver. I mean, settle uh, down a little bit. Yeah, you know, like he pretty much like was was was, you know, kept. He, he 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 not everything he did was like was was a game changer in hollywood he just exactly. had some 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 smartly put together hits too so yeah i don't think how to lose a guy in 10 days uh changed hollywood <laughs> the See, way i know Ryder. about a hundred women that would disagree with you on that <laughs> and um, you, you know he's got you know he's got popeye stories that are, we're not getting in this oh, oh my wow. god i'm guessing somebody has just a sure amount of cocaine uh <laughs> there must have been they didn't need spinach it was all those, those were the real Mountains. Yeah. There were mountains full of cocaine. Speaking of Orson Welles, my double billing with this would be the original The Muppet movie about <laughs> all of the Muppets journeying to Los Angeles and Kermit being offered the standard Hollywood contract. The rich and, and famous I, contract. The rich and famous contract. Prepare the standard rich and famous contract for Kermit the Frog and Company. I see that as. <laughs> the purest form of um <laughs> of how hollywood is seen nice. but uh certainly this his like absolute shameless view of his own life uh is a close second All should right. we vote well yeah that was, that was just that's what i was fixing vote, my mouth vote, to say <laughs> it is time for us to vote on whether we screen it stream it or skip it uh, obviously this already came out but you know you, you know the deal <laughs> screen it's the best stream it's the mid skip it is self-explanatory so uh, we'll start with our guests so uh, I, what do you I think? love this ridiculous motion picture uh, <laughs> and all of its weirdness all of its messiness all of its unhinged narcissism uh, so I'm going to say screen it I've seen this seven or eight times at this point and I happily watch it seven or eight times more yeah, I back up on that. Screen it. This is so fun. And ter I mean, like, certainly, again, 
he's horrible <laughs> and a horrible <laughs> human at times but it's a really fun insight to a lot of incredible films like he's a good storyteller at the end of the day mm. maybe that is what led to him being such a successful producer but it's inherently watchable flies by and if you are into movies this is a movie about movies in a very special way yeah i agree screen it i mean it it is catnip and uh, it's i think perhaps in a lot of ways more interesting as a pathology than as a history of the film industry um but there are sort of nuggets of actual facts along the way but just a whole lot of time spent with a a personality let's just say that and uh and it's time well a spent. character a character oh man uh yeah this this is a this is a stream it for me this is definitely feels like something you chill uh sipping this is a you know not a party party one you know i typically say like a stream it's a good like people in a party but this this one i definitely don't don't I, don't I don't think seeing it on the big screen will do anything different than like chilling back home and just watching it at my convenience so for that reason i'm going with stream it did it make you want to run a studio iffy uh you know it, it, it like it's so funny because i often like think of like you know things like hail caesar and this like idea of like old hollywood and this is the first time i was like oh okay yeah it did suck you know because i already just assumed it sucked because any industry just ran by rich white men on coke i was like there's no way that this is a good time for anyone who's not the rich white man on coke uh and yeah this was the first time i watched it. i was like okay yeah this seems like yeah it sucked ass uh <laughs> But if you were a rich white man on coke, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. You know, just divorcing your wife while she's on set because she doesn't want to be in your movie. You know, those type of things. Losing your wife to Steve McQueen. (laughs) We've all been there. All that good stuff. Of course. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess we'll take a break, even though it's been uh, so fun talking. But when we come back, we'll have some staff picks, okay? So we'll be right back after we hear from another show for Maximum Fun. Let's get some words in about Soylent. Soylent's the original food tech company, makes delicious and nutritious nutrition products in convenient formats. Absolutely. They've got so many great options. There's the shakes you can drink. There's the squares that'll either maybe tide you over between meals or, you know, substitute, depending on how you roll. Uh, It's a really great option for people who don't cook or can't cook, or maybe are just going to be out and about and are not going to have an easy time of trying to drive through somewhere, trying to like, you know, put a sandwich in their briefcase. It doesn't always work out that way, but Soylent is super convenient and handy. And uh, just knocking back one bottle of their complete protein shake really takes care of a ton of your nutritional needs. It's true. And I feel like you looked at me when you said can't cook, which is fair (laughs) because you should look at me because I detest cooking. Yet even more than that, like I enjoy the shakes. I've talked about that before and they definitely were filling and tasted good and have way more vitamins and healthy nutrition stuff than I ever expected. But I recently got on a plane and was, of course, starving. Of course, they're not really feeding people on planes anymore. And I had the squares with me and Mm. I like lifted my mask up and like nibbled on it like a weird flying mouse that eats protein squares. I'm not sure if that all tracks, but... 
They did sustain me and I did not become a hangry monster. By the end of the flight, there was no subduing needed by flight attendants. <laughs> Soylent got me there. And you didn't have to shell out $10 for a measly bag of peanuts. Exactly, exactly. And it tasted pretty good. I enjoyed it. It was sweet. You know, I like the sweet. So Absolutely. Yes. If you're interested, if we got a deal for you, you can go to Soylent.com slash MaxFilm to get 20% off your first order. That is Soylent, S-O-Y-L-E-N-T dot com slash MaxFilm for 20% off your first order. Are you ready to binge watch something old? The Greatest Generation is a podcast about Star Trek by a couple of hosts a little bit embarrassed to even have a Star Trek podcast. Hosted by me, Ben Harrison. And me, Adam Pranica. We get into the critical, the technical, the science fictional aspects of the show we love while roasting it and each other at the same time. We've completed an entire series about Star Trek The Next Generation and another one about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and we've just begun Star Trek Voyager. So now is a great time to start watching a new Star Trek series with us. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts and become a friend of DeSoto today. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ifiwadiway. In the studio with me are... Alonzo Duralde. Nathan Raven. Drea Clark. And now it's time for Staff Picks. It could be any movie at all. So, Drea, why don't you start? All right. So, I have a film that was on the festival circuit last year and is coming out this weekend, being distributed by Macro. It's called Really Love. It's directed by Angel Christy Williams. And it is in the sort of pantheon of black love stories from the sort of like brown sugar waiting to exhale the photograph love and basketball love and basketball forever love so Jones. It's, it's in that it's in that realm yes a, a genre that we specifically have big hearts for it stars uh kofi sirabo and yutha wong loi sing and it's it follows their love he's a painter she's a law student it takes place in dc and it is a real sexy love story looking at mm. you iffy a lot a lot mm. of hot All scenes right. in I'm it locked. um I'm yep. In. Yep. Put that down on your post-it, sir. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's just, you know, I love a good love story anyway. This one has characters that have that sort of push-pull that is recognizable, but there's still enough unique texture to it and world building that it, you know, kind of opened fun doors for me. So yes, really love it's Angel's directorial debut. She's fantastic. I've known her for years. And um, yeah, check it out. Support. Mm. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Nathan? Uh, well, I hate to be predictable, uh, but I have a website called Nathan Evans Happy Place, and we just did a Charles Grodin month uh, to commemorate the wonderful, wonderful comic legend. Wrote about some of his lesser known movies, some of his better known movies. Great month of caper. Oh my goodness, what a masterpiece. Uh, but the specific movie that I'm going to recommend is. Clifford, uh, which was a motion picture that is infamous for Martin Short, uh, I think he was 37 at the time, uh, playing a 10-year-old boy who is basically psychotic. Uh, this film had the same cinematographer as Scarface. Uh, and and uh, yeah, 
it's kind of a similar level of sociopathy. Uh, and yeah, it's just this blistering, blistering, evisceratingly dark uh, comedy about two horrible people trying to destroy each other. Uh, and it's been nice to see it kind of get a, a second and third life and there's just an elaborate oral history uh, in Vulture. So it's nice to see people coming around because uh, yeah, it's, it's a great Martin Short performance, but it's one of my very favorite uh, Charles Garden performances. It's also a big favorite of Tom Sharpling, uh, radio legend, podcast legend, and Nicolas Cage, hmm. uh, who apparently uh, confronted Martin Short and told him that he watched a specific scene so many times that the VHS cassette broke. So I cannot recommend the weird, weird, weird movie Clifford highly enough. And again, Martin Short movie, not the one with the giant red dog. It's so good. And I strangely did not see Clifford until after Charles Grun passed and it got written everywhere because in my head, I always just thought it was about the giant red dog. So I, I didn't, I didn't, I never saw a trailer. I never saw anything for it. I was just like, oh yeah, I love Charles Grodin, but I also didn't watch like the Beethoven movies, which I think he's <laughs> the dad in. Like, I'm like, I don't really watch his family How stuff. How many dog franchises was he in? Exactly. I was like, listen, I'm interested in the Heartbreak Kid and in horn dogging over him while he horn dogs over Miss Piggy in the Great Muppet Caper. <laughs> That's kind of my sweet spot. But yes, and I, and Clifford, I just, I'm excited about the resurgence. I, and I discovered while making a deep dive, it is Clifford is on HBO Max right now. So you can, oh, there you go. can oh, stream right. it there. Um, so I was reminded while watching um, Kids Stays in the Picture um, that uh, Ali McGraw actually is a, a better actress than she often gets credit for particularly in uh, a very funny 1981 comedy that she did for director Sidney Lumet called Just Tell Me What You Want, uh, where Ooh. she plays the mistress of a business titan played by Alan King, uh, and she's in the process of leaving him for her young lover played by a baby-faced pre-Robocop Peter Weller. Uh, Myrna Ooh. Loy is in the cast. Uh, it is a very sophisticated movie and probably best remembered for a scene in which Ali McGraw beats the ever-living crap out of Alan King on the main floor of Bergdorf Goodman and it is a, 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 it's an amazing scene it's a very funny movie and uh, and she's great in it and frankly uh, I'm sure she had a much happier life out of the clutches of, uh, of, of Mr. Robert Evans. I'm just theorizing. I don't know. I was not part of that relationship. I only know Evans's version of it, but that's enough for me. So, yeah. I'm guessing Steve McQueen couldn't have been a very easy person. Uh, say, yeah, I'm sure that was, that's a frying pan fire situation probably. But yeah. uh, but I, I, I got to interview her a few years ago and she seemed super cool. And I think she's, she's a very New Mexico kind of lady now. So she's got it together. Oh, all right. Well, closing it out strong is a movie that I haven't seen in a really long time. But, you know, this was this was under the under the reign of Robert Evans, uh, which is uh, Harold and Maude, uh, which yes. is a trippy, fun movie. Uh, and I think uh, everyone should uh Give it a shot. Uh, and also, as the UCB namesake, uh, Harold for improv, Maud for sketch. So hmm. peep it. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's what the different teams are, Harold and Maud. Oh. Um, yeah. We're dorks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, Nathan, thank you so much for being on our show. Is there Ooh. anything you'd like to plug before you get on out of here? 
Uh, I have lots of books uh, that I'm writing. Oh, and also, yeah. uh, you can pre-order and you can buy copies of books that I've already written. Uh, visit my website, nathanraven.com. Uh, probably know how to spell it. Uh, slash shop. And that's where you can uh, buy all the books that I've written and all the ones that I have yet to write. Uh, give my uh, website a call or listen. <laughs> give it a read. Give it a call. <laughs> give it a call. Website, like, are people yeah. calling in all the yeah. time? Yeah. Are you getting lots of emails? I'm like, Ugh, that's yeah. not how it works. It's not a call-in show. It's a website. <laughs> if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maximum Film or send us an email at Maximum Film at MaximumFun.org. Our producer is the Casey O'Brien. You know that one. Our senior producer is the lovely Laura Swisher. And this, of course, is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.